0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at quiz.fox.
0: We are a talk channel and it's a talk show, but when you have a guy like uh, Lee Greenwood in studio, to set the table, we go to the most iconic song. Uh, maybe Behind the Star Spangled Banner is the most patriotic song ever written. Lynn Gre- Lee Greenwood is here, country music singer you know. Uh, and he just was able to sing that song, uh, Proud American, on our show uh, just a short time ago. And here he is. Lee, welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Brian. Great in studio. This is a rare treat. Thank you. This is cool. I don't think I've been in the studio before. I've done Fox Nation several times, but not in the studio with you.
0: Right. No, no. I'm honored <laughs> and, and privileged. They just kind of built. They did, did this. They have the whole radio. They have uh, Channel 115 on Sirius, which is 24-hour news, national news, kind of like the 1010 wins locally. So they built this whole thing for the talk
1: studios, too. So it's relatively new because the pandemic hit oh. uh, and everyone left. Oh, the pandemic. Oh, my gosh. You know, we're going to be traveling out of the country here shortly. And there's still some countries where we're going that require masks. And it's like you kind of forget after a while when the mask is gone. It's like, well, whew, it's over. and But it ain't over. I mean, still other countries. you know, How require- did you deal
0: with it personally and professionally?
1: <laughs> um, I hated it, first of all. And and particularly we flowed to uh, Africa. For our family vacation last year, we had to wear the mask from the time we left Nashville through New York, through Paris. And and France was more uh, picky about the uh, documents we had to fill out for COVID than Kenya. And we got to Kenya and there was no mask. It was fine there. But it, it was 24 hours of constant mask through the airplanes, you know, and, and the air, air, airports. It was awful. Um, in 2020, of course, we had about six or seven shows, most of them outdoors and most in the West Coast. So that was kind of hard, keeping our talents up, you know, during that year. Uh, began to get a little better in 21. And, of course, we're back full strength now.
0: Right. Uh, so, yeah, my, you know, for the most part, I went to two or three events. It was packed uh, merely for the first time. And I realized uh, the trains aren't back. I'm able to get a seat on a train even if I go a minute before on Long Island Railroad. Subways aren't close. And mainly that's crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a crime thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you notice New York a little different now or no?
1: um no or you
0: just come in and out so quick Yeah,
1: i come in and out but but it it seems normal to me except for the fact that during the riots when they closed all those expensive stores my wife is really pissed off <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> you know all of all of those expensive stores that the glass knocked out and they didn't reopen a lot of them down on fifth avenue and i'm like well that's too bad honey you
0: know? Uh, a couple of things lee you would just tell me about your childhood yeah uh anything but easy right
1: well you know let me just say this it, it was it was perfect my, my my father joined the Navy after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. I was born in 42, so he was deployed by the time I was born. My mother divorced him because she didn't understand his commitment to the country and to the service. Now a lot of families went through that, but that left my mother with two kids, my older sister and I. And my sister is still alive, lives in Boise, Idaho, is three years older than me. And my mother was a piano player at night. She was a comptometer operator for Standard Oil during the daytime and a cleric for Southern Pacific. So holding down three jobs, I rarely knew her. I didn't know my father until I was in my teens, but I was raised by my grandparents. We were sharecroppers, lived on a farm in Sacramento, California. I worked on a farm as a kid You know, growing up. I, I had a great childhood, great role models from my grandparents, and I didn't really want for anything. So if, if you say that I didn't, you didn't
0: have, have any- a t- typical nuclear family, but you had a great grandparents.
1: And that's all it takes is love. Right.
0: Really? Uh, when did you realize you had musical
1: talent? Five or six, seven, right in there. How? Well, I sang in church and, and I think that's it. When you first, realize you can you can carry a melody, and then you learn songs off the radio you know, just quickly and start singing along with them. We only <laughs> you only had you know the old radio with a, the two knobs on it. Right. <laughs> like you get to hear some music occasionally. And my grandmother loved the, the music of the Canaries, Hearts Canary. We had a seventy-eight vinyl record, and she would listen to that, sit in the chair, and I would try to memorize the first song that I ever memorized was from a seventy-eight record. It was Stan Kenton, the father of American jazz. It was called Artistry and Rhythm, and we had a spinet. Piano in the trailer that we lived in, in the corner, and I was allowed to play that piano every night after I finished my chores uh, and my schoolwork. And I memorized artistry and rhythm. I still remember the melody. Da 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 de, da 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 da. And I, I got all four parts in my head. I was eight, nine, wow. 10, ten.
0: Then they, they they realized too. We we got to like support this. But and you end up going to. You went to camp, you said, too, right? Well,
1: I mean, it wasn't really support, but my grandmother uh, took charge of my career in a, such a way, and there was fights between my mother and my grandmother about how much leeway they would give me. They really had a strong leash on me. But at the age of 13, 14, I was already playing in nightclubs, and so my grandmother would have the band leader He'd come and sit in the living room, and we had this uh, Spanish, I would say, let me just call it, what it is it, Mexican uh, bass player, and he had hard luck tattooed on his knuckles, ah. a big fella, ah, ah. <laughs> and then she he said, if he doesn't come home by 2 a.m. in the morning, he'll never go with you again. Right. And I was very good on the saxophone. And it was, uh, in those years, they had all those rhythm and blues quartets, and every one of them had a tenor saxophone in it. And I was already pretty good at it. And so I would finish, get home, have breakfast downtown North Sacramento, get home in bed by 2.30, be up at 6.30 and go run the baseball track uh, wow. at, at school. You're so, an athlete, too. I was saying the first thing that hit me when I, before I met you. This guy's an athlete. You're in great shape. Well, thank you. And and at 79, I still feel pretty darn good. I've had a few few surgeries on my knees and back, but that's just structural damage from sports. And I I loved. I wouldn't give a minute of it. I I love my baseball. I love basketball. And I played racquetball for 10 year, 12 years. But I didn't
0: mean to interrupt you because uh, my dad was in a quartet uh, too. I guess he would have been about the same age. He put a band together, and paid his way right through uh, college. He had an opportunity to go to uh, Juilliard, but my my his parents said. Uh, No one makes a living in music, so did not support it. He ends up being a chemist at Iona, but played his music to support him through. One of his big regrets was not following through with that. And after he put down the clarinet and saxophone, he knew how good he could be. He hated picking it up again.
1: Well, you know, I've got a I've got a 23 year old just graduated TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. He'll play piano, you to death. He looks a lot like um, Van Cliburn. As a matter of fact, there's a Van Cliburn uh, room and a, and a contest in in. Uh, at TCU in Fort Worth and uh, he's elected not to do that because he wants to be just a writer. So he was a chancellor scholar because he had a perfect sc- uh, SAT score and science score in high school and he changed from music uh, from theater to musical composition. So he's going to write music for video games and motion pictures and he's very well qualified. So I think his masters might be in Scotland or somewhere but he you know he he's going to be a musician. I'm like son it's going to be tough, you know. But you can't deny the talent. If I figured he didn't have the talent, I would have deterred him. And his brother is actually pretty talented as a singer who is now getting a Ph.D. in cancer research at Vanderbilt, Dalton, who's 27 and just got married. Um, But uh, he's his future secured. But I just said to Parker, you know, it may be tough. He said, it's all right. I'm ready for the ready for the long haul. Right. Do you. So when you started in the
0: music. I mean, most people don't make it in music, right? Well, you're
1: right. Yeah. it's Grab the brass ring. You're really lucky. I had two or three shots at it. Brian, you probably don't know this. I was working at a, at a hotel called the Desert Inn in Vegas, and I was working for a female star named Babette DiCastro. And when we traded uh, 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 every every forty minutes, you get a different act on. The other act was called Sandu Scott and the Scotties, and and they'd put on their show and two female acts. So when I finished Babette Castro's act, I joined the other band. We went to Puerto Rico, then New York to do the Ed Sullivan show. So it puts the time frame right for you. So now that was wow. his. And so the drummer Dino Donelli lived in lived in Hoboken, so I stayed with them at that time. New York had uh, Joy Deer and the Starlighters had a had a. a a new song called The Peppermint Twist. I would come to New York. We see them. It's a dead of winter. I'm getting pneumonia. And I said, guys, I just can't stay in New York. I got to go back to Vegas and go back to work. I did that. Three months later, they put the band back together, and they became the Young Rascals. So I missed that gold brass. I missed that brass ring. It's interesting that Felix Cavalier wrote all those songs, now lives in Nashville. And he just did my 40 years of hits, uh, special, which Fox Nation carries, by the way. Uh, uh, which Green you, Green. You're
0: see, being seen on Fox Nation right yeah, now. Proud yeah, proud to be an
1: American. And uh, and so Felix lives in Nashville. So it's full circle, but yeah, you're right. Uh, I'd say 1,000 to 1, maybe more, 10,000 to 1 if you get the brass ring. You know. Right.
0: Uh, but would you say your work ethic has a lot to do with it? And oh, absolutely. You, and, and did you have a plan B? No. Is that the key?
1: No. No, no net? Because get like rid your, of the net? Like your dad. I mean, I, I think – there was opportunities. My stepfather was a uh, was a contractor, Louis Dantonoli. I loved him, uh, and I could have went into building. I like I, I like I liked that. I could have went into farmer work, but gosh, dang, that's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you may have to get up at three in the morning, but for for a farmer, you're up at three and you're out in the field. I end up
0: putting on makeup in a suit.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a little harder. And I said, no, I don't want to be a farmer. And so, and music came so easy, though. Oh my gosh! But I was scouted by the Dodgers, and I thought, well, maybe baseball. Uh, but I was 140 pounds, dripping wet, five seven. Th- nah, I'm not going to have a career in baseball.
0: Well, there were some, there were some guys. Your, your, your dimensions. Davy Lopes wasn't much bigger than that, right? Second base.
1: Well, sure. I mean, right. there, there's always that. I mean, Walter Payton. You know, I mean, there's yeah. always an exception. But I didn't want to be that exception. All
0: right, but you are exceptional. When we come back, uh, Lee Greenwood tells us the story of "God Bless the USA" uh, and what, where that song has taken you in your life, and the presidents and uh, officials you've had a chance to meet. Don't move. I, by the way, perfect guest today, Lee, not a coincidence, with Memorial Day a few days away. Uh, one of the many people in our country that does not have to be told the meaning of this holiday. Don't move.
1: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Break. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News
0: app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.
1: News, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: We're back. Lee Grinwood, our guest. Lee Grinwood was kind enough to do the the, uh, Fox and Friends concert series. The first one to kick off today on Fleet Week. And, of course, uh god bless the usa uh and a proud american is what lee greenwood is known for you think about lee greenwood it's red white and blue but he's really a country music star first and foremost when you talk about that song that you played for us uh today what has that done for your career
1: well may- many people would say it's an umbrella uh it is not it's not a parachute that's for sure uh i'm an artist i'm a singer and a writer and i'll be that until i'm done and uh God Bless the USA happened to be one of those songs along the way that I wrote because I wanted to write something about my country. But it was on – the first album it was on was called You Got a Good Love Coming. We put $25,000 in that video and filmed it in the London train station, and Patrick Duffy was a guest – uh, as a cameo to open up that Aquaman. video. Yeah. You can get yeah you can get that video on, on YouTube if you look for it. you got a good love coming. And so when we finished that album, we were actually recording in Nashville as a Nashville artist. We didn't want L.A. actually controlling what we do. And I was on the label with Reba McIntyre, George Strait, the Oak Ridge Boys, and Barbara Mandrell, and we all had the same mindset. We are a Nashville artist. However, I was competing with George Strait for, uh, for chart positions because his a uh, and man ran MCA. And so I was a little hard getting past his record. So I said, let's go out to, and have Get L.A. behind us. So we took that album, You Got a Good Love Coming, to Irving Azoff in Los Angeles and had them listen to it. It was him that made the choice to release God Bless the USA. It would, never have been, it would never have been heard. You think it would have been buried on that album? Yeah. Yeah, it was just another song. So, and, and, and then when you released, what happened? Well, the power of radio, of course, you know, it, and, and it, was, it was aimed at July 4th. They released it a little bit late. It went number six, I think, on the chart. Uh, and then after July 4th, the patriotism wanes, and then the song was not popular until it became Song of the Year in Nashville at the CMA because it started getting legs. And uh, and, and, and as much as for the National Guard and the military as anything because they immediately adopted me you know, as their hero, and I, I did like 15 USO tours after when, I came to when Nashville. When
0: did Reagan take notice?
1: Um, Yeah, the the campaign for I'm a Reaganite anyway. I'm from California. So I worked on his gubernatorial campaign, even though I I was a nobody. Yeah. And and then uh, they never forgot that. But of course, when USA came out, they called me and they said, uh, we want you to uh, play the president's dinner for Ronald Reagan. So I did that. And uh, then I did the 84 convention as well. Uh, for Ronald and then I became Nancy Reagan's champion. And, and then, uh, and we had a performance at the white house and then I met 41 who was vice president at the time. And then I sang for five presidents at the Reagan library. It was, it was Reagan, Bush, Nixon, Carter, and Ford wow. all standing behind me while I was singing. I was like, man, this is pretty awesome. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and then it, it's like it, uh, you had to go for and, and General Schwarzkopf used it as a as a song of the war, if you will. Uh, and then Katrina. It became a song for unity. And then, of course, the attack on America in 2001. And as you know, Brian, I was here three times, once for the Fireman's Memorial at Yankee Stadium, Uh, The policeman's Memorial at Carnegie Hall. And then I came back for the fourth game of the World Series, which was kind of cool. The Yankees against the Diamondbacks and the Yankees couldn't pull it out. The seventh game, they finally lost to, to the Diamondbacks in Arizona. But that was a part of rebuilding New York. But since then, there's just been more and more and more need for unity. And every time I do this, I come to New York and I sing for Fox and we get, you know, on the network. And I have so many people coast to coast who have texted me this morning on my phone. It's blowing up. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, we're so proud of you. You know, right. for, for, for getting there and singing.
0: People are worried about uh, pages, the patriotism still there in America. Can you par- can compare it to the 1980s when, you know, we put the hostage crisis behind us. We begin to – it becomes clear we're going to win the Cold War. Uh, Reagan was such an optimistic guy, wonderful speaker. Uh, he won by 40-plus 40 state, 49 states right. for right. reelection. So can you p- compare the two generations?
1: Uh let me put it this way. In World War I and World War II, every household had somebody serving the military. I think when you move on to Vietnam, it was maybe every block had three or four soldiers. As you move on to the War on Terror, it's maybe 100 people in a city. So it's less and less people who see the value of the military, and therefore patriotism begins to wane. You have to remember how our freedom is protected. It's the military, and not enough people do that. So if you compare the generations, right. the respect for the country and the flag, is. My, if you're going to kneel for the flag, I suggest you go to church and kneel. That's where you'll find re, you know, where your God is. And, and, and I hate it that the NFL is, is one of those that didn't step up immediately and say, you know what? I appreciate your cause, but this is not the place you kneel. They went the other way. Lee
0: Greenwood, our guest, uh, Lee. When I thought about you too, when the statues start coming down, people now have a problem with Jefferson at William and Mary when he went to college. Uh, people are defiling George Washington's uh, statue. I saw that they took down um, not exactly a founding father, but an iconic figure, Daniel Boone. They want his name off elementary schools. Uh, Lincoln. Well, what, Teddy Roosevelt moved out from the Museum of Natural History. They took his took him off his horse, even though he and his dad built the Museum of Natural History. It was their idea. What do you think about when that those things happen?
1: Oh, Brian, we're two white guys here talking on the phone. I I'd sometimes I, as I look back on it, you know, you have to have an African-American in the culture uh, in the room to talk about his culture and the, and his appear and his his um uh, a perception of what's going on. I I disagree with anybody that wants to remove a monument. I don't think that's the right thing. If you want to erect another monument next to it and say this is my heritage and my perception. add a plaque to it. Exactly. Uh, let me just let me just you know give my opinion. Okay, great. I'll take your opinion, but don't take down my history because it's the history of the United States. I mean, it, you can't erase history.
0: So I did the President and Freedom Fighter, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and the battle to save America's soul, and at that same time. There's a protest around Frederick Douglass's statue <laughs> because the statue, the, du- the Lincoln statue that Douglass dedicated to Lincoln 10 years after his death, had an African-American breaking free of chains. The best answer is what you just gave. Leave that statue. That's where Douglass stood. And then put one behind it. Exactly. Because even back then, Douglass was like, yeah, I don't love this statue. But he understood what, it, what they tried to do with, and was the uh, slaves paid for it and okayed the design. Yeah, America, so
1: that's a way to do it. Absolutely, America's changing. It's it, again every time we have, you know, like the shooting in uh, 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 Buffalo, and and it becomes racial. I just, I, you know, I know, it sets us back another forty years.
0: Absolutely, but hopefully we move forward.
1: Lee Greenwood, it's a thrill to have you here. I know you're gonna have a big weekend. Really, what do you want to promote, real quick? Uh, Black Cat Fireworks. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and go buy some Black Cat Fireworks. Also, uh, do our Adopt-A-Vet program. Come to my website, LeeGreenwood.com, and Adopt-A-Vet. You'll find out what it is.
0: All right, Lee. Thanks so much. Great to see you. Thanks, Brian. Bag it. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.